Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and this is the show where we discover how to be better by meeting people who are on that same path of discovery. And so it is a great honour. I mean, we've been blessed this series, but it's still true to welcome to the show, Gabby Bernstein. Choosing to go big in this lifetime and be the highest expression of who you think you are, it's not always easy. But when you show up for the difficult times with a faith that you will come out the other side more resilient, then you can show up for that discomfort with a faith that it's all working out on your behalf. Gabby is the best-selling author of Super Attractor, The Universe Has Your Back, and most recently, You Are the Guru. I've devoured all of them. I am a proper fangirl, a diehard fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now, here's the show. Gabby, I'm I'm so happy that you're on the podcast. I'm a, a huge fan. I have been for a very long time. I find your work extremely helpful. So this to me is an absolute joy. How do we find you today? How are you doing? I'm actually doing really well. I feel I feel really centered and connected and all is well. I I love your work for so many reasons. Um, there's a lot of practical stuff that I've taken from what you do, but I also adore how you, you're always really willing to include your own personal story and be vulnerable in that way and, and talk about your own life. And you've been on this spiritual path now for over a decade and that the catalyst was you getting sober. And often, you know, much like my own sort of exploration into this area, those seismic shifts within often come from a, a place of, of pain or, or a tricky time. Um, what was there sort of like a light bulb moment for you to walk down this path or, or was it incremental? I've had a lot of light bulb moments along the way, <laughs> quite a few. I think the first was when I got sober. It's actually, I just celebrated 15 years of recovery. So thank you for bringing it up. It's I, I'm just days away from my 15 year anniversary, which is amazing. And uh, in my sober recovery, I started to awaken to my spiritual condition and really strengthen and establish what a spiritual relationship meant to me. So the decision to get clean and sober was kind of the first step on a journey of undoing belief systems that made me use in the first place. So putting down the drink and the drug is the first step to really beginning to uncover why we were running, why we as addicts, why we were anesthetizing and what it was that we were trying to shut down. So that first 
big moment was my commitment to get clean and sober at 25 years old. 15 years later, best decision I ever made. <laughs> mm, absolutely. And congratulations on that. That's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. How have you stopped your your past getting in the way of what you do today? Because, you know, a, a lot of us feel held back perhaps by our backstory or by our past. But whenever I hear you talk about that period of your life, it is with a great sense of peace and acceptance. How did you get to that place with it? I have been on a devotional, committed journey of undoing the fear-based belief systems that I picked up as a child, which we all do, and reclaiming the space of serenity within myself. And I know that all can sound like some spiritual mumbo jumbo, but it's my devotional commitment in my life. Every single day of my life has been about getting closer to freedom. The, the older I get, the more free I become because I have been in that commitment. So that's why I can sit here and say, okay, you know, it was been 15 years and I'm so deeply grateful for the sobriety. I'm so grateful for, and for the, the rock bottom moments that came after that as well. And there have been many Fern, many, 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 and I, and disappointment and, and facing shame and facing trauma and facing the deep rooted impermissible feeling that so many people run from for a lifetime. And for me, I think that when I signed up to come back in this body in this way at this time, if you, if I, if you think about things in a metaphysical way, I think I made a commitment to show up and go big and face dark wounds so that I could live to tell what it means to recover and live to tell what it means to go on the journey of reclaiming the truth of who you are. Today, I have never felt more at peace. I, even in the midst of everything that we're living through and all the uncertainty and even, you know, things not happening when I think they should or whatever, I've never felt more peace. And I owe all of that to the 15 years of commitment that I've made to my personal growth and my spiritual development. So when you look back on these times and, you know, I'm really intrigued about this because there's parts of my life I'll look back on and there's an element of acceptance, but there's still, it's like a whiff of shame. Like I can feel that there, there is still a way to go to get to that piece. So as well as being willing to stare these moments in the face, because I really have been, and that's why I think I'm doing, you know, any of the work that I'm doing today is because I'm willing to sort of look at those dark, ugly patches in my life that that I don't want to, but I'm willing to go there. But how do you, how do you eradicate the shame, the guilt, all of those feelings that, that do end up sort of dragging us down? Well, right now I'm doing something called IFS therapy, which is known as um, internal family systems. And what it teaches is it really is a very helpful healing modality for becoming more consciously aware of the shameful parts of ourselves and more capable of nurturing our parts to bring them back to a place of safety. So the concept is, is that we're all multiples. We all have these different parts. And Richard Schwartz, who was a family uh, therapist, created IFS when he was 30 years old. This guy invented this incredible therapeutic practice. And really what it's helped me do is to identify and recognize that I have a lot of different parts. There are parts of myself. So the shameful parts 
the the uh, courageous parts, the addict parts, and that the shame parts, the parts of us that have been ashamed are often exiled parts that we we will totally do everything we possibly can to push down, to anesthetize, to ignore, to run from. That's why we use drugs and that's why we you know act out and that's why we uh, become workaholics or whatever it may be. So the healthier I became, the more those shameful parts became present. And that's why I just want to acknowledge you for a moment, because even being able to witness the shameful parts that you are identifying means that you've done a lot of work. Mm. Many people walk through life not even identifying or recognizing shame. Oh yeah, they jump right out at me. There's no mistake about that. And I and I I love what you said there. So so essentially it's less about eradicating those shameful parts and more about just acknowledging them and going, yes, they're there and that's okay. Because that I guess is also part of human connection that we all have those parts, just some, like you say, are not willing to look or will just not notice them. And then what it's also about, and we could do an entire hour just on IFS, but that mm. is to introduce you and your listeners to this modality. But the concept is, is that our self, with a capital S, is that adult resource part that has the ability to hold and nurture and respect and acknowledge those parts of shame. Yes. And the more we start to navigate our lives from that adult resource self, the easier it is to show up for those shameful parts and to soothe them like we would a child, right? And really they are child parts typically. So uh, it's it's a beautiful practice. I mean, this is, you can go, I, I'm studying it at the moment. So I'm, I'm very fascinated by it. Mm. And, it, and it's, it, it's lovely to think of those parts as childlike because often those parts of us that we find tricky, we're actually so horrible to. We're really mean to those bits of ourselves and we berate ourselves and we curse ourselves. And actually it is about, I guess, soothing those parts. And, and I forget that often. So I really love that you've just said that. Um, you know, you, ha you have so many varied ways of working and communicating and methods that you use in your work, many of which I have found extremely helpful. But there's one thing that, that it sort of thematically seems to really shine through and really resonate with people. And again, it has certainly done the same with me. And that is talking about manifestation or manifesting. What is your definition of manifesting? The definition that I believe to be true with all of my heart is to be a manifester, you have to be in alignment with happiness and inspiration. So when we are in a space and energy, a belief system that is grounded and inspired and joyful, elevated, free. We are what I refer to as super attractors that mm. become a magnet for what it is that we desire. And we all are super attractors, but the only thing that blocks us from that super attractor power is our disbelief. It is our lack mentality. It is our child parts that keep us in shame and guilt. It's, it's our inability to accept our greatness. It's the, our, our fear of, of feeling good, frankly. Yeah, that's a big one. Like that's one that some of us might not like to admit, but you know, that again, you know, it, I feel that one deeply that I know often I, 
I'm not willing to let myself feel good. And that's quite empowering to realize that. Like, oh God, it's that simple. I'm just not willing to let myself feel very good. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, there's a chapter in my book, Super Attractor, that's called It's Good to Feel Good. And it is something that we are often most afraid of because we have this false belief system that it's that the only ways that we can achieve is to push and to control and to make ourselves crazy. And that the only, the only way to, to stay safe is to be on edge and protective and, and fearful. But the irony is that is the most unsafe place to be. Mm. A lot of what I teach is all about reprogramming our belief systems and relying on the support of a higher power and really addressing the beliefs and stories and the thoughts that we keep thinking. Because uh, as Abraham Hicks says, a belief is just a thought that you keep thinking. So the more mm. repeat that belief, that, that thought, that thought, that thought, then it becomes a belief system. So in, in the effort to change those belief systems, that's when we change our point of attraction. So so with creating these moments where our desires come into fruition and, you know, things that we've been deeply wanting happen, is that us being in control? Because it's, it feels paradoxical in a sense that there's sort of an element of control, right? You you have control over your destiny and what you want to happen, yet there's a huge part of it which requires letting go. And I think sometimes that's where I trip myself up. I sort of think, am I in control or do I just have to go with the flow? And I, there's sort of a confusion there for me often. It, it can be confusing. So let me demystify it for you. So what we can control is how we choose to perceive the world around us. We can control the thoughts that we think. And I don't like to use the word control, but we can nurture and navigate, reorganize. But the secret to manifesting is to forget what you think you need. Yes. And to truly surrender, to truly let go, to truly allow, to enter into a place of faith that you have a desire, but there may be something far greater on the way to give yourself permission to give it over. Often people Mm. think that surrender is giving up, but it's actually giving over. It's turning your desire over to a spiritual belief system of your own understanding. It's, 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 and in some ways, even the word giving up is a good thing, giving up, giving over surrender, whatever you want to call it. It's quite valuable to be able to release your desires because when you're holding on to them and strangling them, that's often the biggest block. That's what I would like to refer to often as a manic manifester, somebody who's just strangling <laughs> their dream. You know, I'm doing all the meditations. I'm doing all the, you know, I'm doing all the prayers. Mm. I'm, I'm making the vision board. I'm doing everything I can to attract, attract, attract. And there's nothing being attracted because your energy is so gnarly. <laughs> well, it can border on desperate. You know, I've certainly had those situations where I've been desperately wanting an outcome and not understanding why, it hasn't happened. And I definitely went through my own sort of huge moment of surrender uh, many years back where I hit this sort of block and had a huge year of, or two of depression. And I kind of gave everything up that I knew in what I was doing with my job previously and broadcasting, etc. 
And I surrendered out of necessity because I was like, I don't know what the hell to do. And it did lead to all this really lovely stuff that I deeply care about now. But I don't know if I could have done it unless I was sort of forced into that position. But I think, I guess, is the answer to therefore not try and manifest an outcome that we want to acquire or experience. It's more about the feeling. Is it, is it the feeling that we should be sort of focusing on? When we're trying to attract something into our life, the key ultimately is to, like I said, get into alignment with what it feels like to be in that expression of ourselves. So if you want to manifest more abundance in your career, then the key is to feel more inspired in the work that you do bring more inspiration into your existing job, bring more inspiration into your, your, your side projects, lean towards that inspiration and you will be led. If you want to create more romance in your life, then be in the energy of romance, even when you're not with a romantic partner. So that may mean finding that connection of romance in your friendships and feeling just so super lit up in your friendships or reading a book that brings that energy of romance into your world. So you nailed it. It's, it's, it's less about doing and it's much more about being and who, who you be, how you show up in your beingness is what manifests towards you, towards you and what, what you ultimately attract. So the when you are in a place of depression, though, that's a really important thing to call out right now because a lot of people are suffering. They're in a depressed state, yeah. and they're like, "Well, how could I possibly be in a place of inspiration? How could I?" That that's okay. Often, being in those bottom moments, those rock bottom moments, are the catalyst for our greatest change. And it's ultimately what you just said. It was, it was the best shift in my life. Mm. So, if someone's listening right now, and they are at a rock bottom moment. Congratulations. This is a turning point. You're listening to this beautiful podcast right now. You're watching the podcast, whatever you're seeing. And you're you're having a moment of opportunity to choose to see things differently. Mm. An opening, an invisible door is opening. You don't have to feel great overnight, but you can, in this moment, reach for an even better feeling than you were a moment before. And so that better feeling may just be that you're going from despair to jealousy, you know, like, yeah, one level up. Yeah. Correct. So uh, that's what Abraham Hicks actually calls the emotional guidance scale. And I have it, I have it again in the book, super attractor. And it, it talks about how you can't just jump from despair to joy and inspiration. And, but you could go from despair to, you know, I'm, I'm envious of Fern's cool sweatshirt and her necklace. And <laughs> envy that 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 is a better vibration than despair Mm. so go with it and then maybe you're bored in five more minutes and i'm boring you with what i'm saying and that's a better vibration than the despair you were in earlier so being okay with allowing yourself to be in what you're in and being in the exploration of other emotions is the proactive way of giving yourself permission to not necessarily be in the best, most high vibrational state, but to recognize that you can easily move into a better vibration, even if it's not something that's seemingly great. Yes. And it goes right back to what we talked about at the beginning of this, which is a lack, like you say, giving yourself permission to feel good or indeed better. And I think so many of us who either are dealing with our backstory or whatever it might be, 
do feel undeserving. And sometimes that feels so written into our story and so a part of us that that, I guess, requires a lot of work to to see yourself in a different light because we'll all have created a narrative around who we are, you know, I'm bad at this. I get too over nervous when this happens. I'm always a failure at this. And and we have to almost sort of rewrite our own story. And I, and I wonder what the first steps are in doing that. I have a beautiful practice called the choose again method. And it is a practice of rewriting your story and reaching your thoughts back to a better feeling energy. And so the first step is to notice that thought that you keep thinking that doesn't make you feel good, right? So notice when you're stuck in that thought and ask yourself, how does this make me feel? So that's the first step. Notice the thought and how it makes you feel. The second step is a profound step. This is the step where you forgive yourself for having the thought. Mm, Now, what's beautiful about this is that when you forgive yourself for having the thought, you separate yourself from the thought. So the moment you can say, oh, that's just a thought that I keep thinking. I forgive myself for having that thought. You recognize that you are not that thought. You got me? Yeah. And then the third step, which is gorgeous, is to reach for the next best feeling thought. This is the choose again step where you could say, uh, let's just say you were on this and you're like, um, I'm, I'm broke. I'm broke. I have no money. I'm broke. And then you notice the thought and how it makes you feel. You forgive yourself for having the thoughts. You realize, okay, that's a thought that I keep thinking, but it's not the truth of who I am. I have the ability to be abundant. And then the next thought you have is, okay, well, I'm on listening to this podcast and they're talking about abundance and they're giving me methods for abundance. So I can be optimistic because there's some methods that are in front of me. And maybe if I try one of these methods right now, that could really help me. And I also can just open up to the possibility for abundance. There is a possibility. It's maybe an old story that I keep thinking, but I could reach to think something different in this moment now. So you're just proactively guiding yourself to a belief or a thought that you actually can hook into, that you can believe in, that feels better. And then you reach for the next best feeling thought and the next best feeling thought and the next best feeling thought. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I guess the other dimension to that scenario is then when outside noise clouds us. So if we've got loved ones or even on a societal level, people saying, you can't, you can't do that. You're not capable of that or you won't do that. And that, I think, takes perhaps even more courage and strength to to not only defy your own mind and thoughts, but also those around you. How, how do you practically go about conquering that one? Well, there's a few things I would suggest. So the, when there's resistors in your life, people, stories, teachers, people telling you, you can't, they're often reflecting back to you a disowned part of your disbelief. Yes. And you've probably seen this in your own life, in your career and other areas too. 
the moment that you get grounded in your own belief in yourself or your ability, the world stops questioning you because you're no longer questioning you. Mm. That's number one. So when you have a lot of resistors in your life, rather than pointing the finger and saying, you know, stop resisting me, look back inside and say, well, what is it within myself that is still in disbelief? And how can I take the necessary steps to start to reorganize those belief systems? So that's number one. Number two, until you have fully developed a strong foundational belief system about, about what it is that you want to show up as, what it is that you want to create, who you believe you are, don't talk about it until you're in that grounded place. Because if you start to speak about it from a place of, of insecurity, or I'm not talking about like, you know, if you want to, if you want to create something or attract something, and let's say you want to manifest a relationship and you just go into your friendships and you start talking about, you're going to manifest, but you don't believe it yet. They're going to feel that vibration of disbelief and only reflect that back to you. They'll say things like, be careful, or it's a really hard time to date right now, or whatever the hell they're going to say. And that's going to come because it's a reflection of your vibration. So you have to do your part to really be conscious of the energy that you have around your belief systems. And if people are reflecting a negative energy or a disbelief, it's mirroring your own. Mm. So keep it close until it's totally developed and grounded and confident within you. I like that because that's all kind of peaceful, quiet work you can do without having to use anyone as a soundboard. You can almost experiment with that one and, and get your energy aligned and then see what changes occur around you. And it can often feel quite miraculous, I think, when that happens, when you make that internal change. And then, like you say, the outside world starts to reflect that. That's really encouraging and I think really confidence boosting as well. Um, as I said, I, I love how open you've been about your own story and, and it's helped so, so many people out there. And again, I, I mean, I've read all of your books, but I, I heard you more recently talking on a podcast again about when you were having struggles to conceive and you desperately wanted to get pregnant and it wasn't kind of happening on the time frame that, that you had desired and, and hoped to manifest. And I wonder what lessons you, you learned through that time that have helped you with this valuable work? Surrender and surrender more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that uh, the greatest, one of the greatest opportunities to live surrender has been my son. So uh, it took me three years to conceive my son. And in that time, I had I, I developed a process of surrender that I've taught in talks and books. And it's something that I developed for myself first. And like you said, I really ultimately am sharing my own vulnerable stories because that's where it starts. I'm my own guinea pig. Uh, so I, I lived these practices of uh, spiritual steps for surrender, which ultimately got me into a place of just really focusing on what was thriving, forgetting what I thought I needed, releasing my timeline, trusting that the universe had a better plan than I did, knowing that what I desired was on the way and it was coming in a form and a time that I could not have possibly imagined because it turned out while well, it was three years later than I wanted to be the absolute best time. Had I conceived three years earlier, it would have been a disaster. It would have been a disaster. Mm. For something like your own personal situation, there has to be a lot of sort of hope and faith around everything, as well as sort of letting go and surrendering. So if you're not necessarily religious, how do hope and faith fit equation? 
Well, so to be clear, I don't actually identify as a religious person. I was brought up Jewish and I really appreciate the Jewish uh, traditions, but I don't go to temple. My, my husband and I practice that religion with our family, uh, my in-laws and my sister-in-law, but it's more traditional than anything. So I identify as spiritual and the work that I teach is all non-denominational. So whether you're identifying faith through religion or spirituality doesn't matter. Whether you recognize faith as a inner voice of inspiration, that's perfect. Maybe you recognize faith as trusting that there is a higher power that is your own belief system, your own story. Maybe you believe in it as an energy of love that's supporting you and surrounding you. Maybe you believe in angels. Maybe you believe in spirit guides and ancestors and family members that are supporting you in a different form, in a, in a spiritual form. Maybe you're not even interested at all in, in any form of faith. And that too is a form of faith. Yeah. Right? So for me, my faith is that there is a universal, abundantly universal energy that supports me, surrounds me, that there is a uh, time frame that's better than mine, that the situations that don't work out are obstacles and, and, and they may be just simply detours in the right direction. Leaning into that type of belief system and allowing the universe to catch up with my dreams has given me so much serenity and so much certainty and peace with what is. So if something isn't working out the way I expected, I'm trusting that something much greater is coming. If something seems like an obstacle, I'm trusting that it's actually just moving me in a different, more appropriate direction. And I know that as long as I'm in alignment with that faith, I'm feeling more at ease. And being at ease is being in alignment and being in alignment is being a super attractor. So a lot of what I teach is really helping people identify a faith of their own understanding. I can't remember if it's in super attractor or the universe has your back, but in one of those two books, I help the reader identify a faith statement and claim what that, what their faith means to them. And that's really what I'm here to do. I'm not here to say this is what spirituality is and this is how you should have a spiritual practice. I'm here just to crack people open to a spiritual relationship of their own. And in that, you will find a sense of certainty and faith that allows you to have that same freedom. And it's, you know, it's up to everybody what they, just, what they choose to believe in. Yeah, so, so I guess faith essentially is the letting go part because that's where you're free-falling and saying you know, okay, I've, I've got that feeling, that intuition that whatever happens, it's, it's going to be okay, or it's, I'm going to be led down the path that is right for me. And it, that's obviously going to take some twists and turns, which I'm sure you've experienced loads, and I most certainly have, but you do end up, and it's not necessarily an outcome that's like, and then I ended up with the perfect job and the great house, or whatever it's, you ended up feeling and understanding so much more than you would have going down the path that you'd initially desired. Exactly. Exactly. It's sometimes the more uncomfortable experiences in our life that reveal to us what we still need to heal. Yeah. Reveal to us a path that we otherwise would never have contemplated if everything was working out. So if you're choosing to go big in this lifetime and be the highest expression of who you think you are, 
or who you believe you can be, it's not always easy. It's not always fun. It's not always seamless. But when you show up for the difficult times with a faith that you will come out the other side more resilient, more grounded, more connected, more abundant, more healthy than before, then you can show up for that discomfort with a faith that it's all working out on your behalf. Yes, and also that lends itself, thankfully, to having patience because in the modern world, no one's got any patience. We, you know, we're, we, we're fast thinking, we want things done quickly, we want something delivered the next day, you know, everything is so instant. But the stuff that you talk about and the way that we have to think about life has to align with patience because it's not going to be an on-demand delivery of our manifestations. And, and that's perhaps one of the, the hardest lessons in the modern world to learn is that we need to sit back and, and not even sit there and wait, I guess, but just sit there peacefully and know that it will be okay. Well, that faith begets more patience. So when you start to really trust in a timeline and a plan that's better than your own, and you start to see over and over again the spiritual proof that, oh, yeah, that thing that I thought needed to happen three years ago was way better to have happen now. The more proof that you get, the easier it is to be patient. So that's just really, it's like the chicken or the egg. You have to practice that. Yeah. To believe in the patients to see the results of the patients. But what patience also does is it chills you out. So when you actually get into a state of patience, because as I said earlier, that manic manifesto is like pushing and controlling and trying to make shit happen. That part of you is super unattractive. That part of you is really um, annoying to be around. It's like so needy and graspy and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So when we get grounded in a state of patience, our energy gets relaxed. And the irony is that everything around us starts to speed up. And I always speed up <laughs> by slowing down because when you get into that state of patience, you start to trust and that trusting energy is far more magnetic and attractive than the needy energy. Mm. And like you say, you know, you build confidence then because you see that things pan out in a different way to how you'd imagined. And, and that is so encouraging. And another thing that one of my favorite things that you talk about and something that I actually just have real fun with because I think, well, especially at the moment, we're all lacking in fun massively. But in life, you know, when we are working towards a goal or we have great dreams or desires, sometimes it, it does just feel like a slog or, or you know, not, not so much fun essentially. But the, the thing for me that I adore is looking for signs and asking for them. And I think I was sort of subconsciously doing it for a long time before, but I've heard, I've heard you talk about it on so many occasions now. And then I've done a little experiment after, and it's so exciting when you get a bloody sign. It's so good. So can you talk to us a little bit more about how you might summon a sign and, and what that might mean for you? Okay. Well, you're so cute when you talk about it. So I'm excited. <laughs> I love a sign. It's the best. Well, you love it because it's a reminder to you that you are spiritually connected and that you are aligned. And it's a reminder of the spiritual presence and energy within you that has the ability to manifest. And so it feels good. It feels really good. What we all have guidance within us and around us. And again, you will identify what that means to you as an individual. 
But when you want to start to connect more deeply to whatever you call it, the universe or God or spirit guides, I, well, let's, let's refer to it as the universe right now. When you start to connect more deeply to that relationship, you can begin to ask the universe to reveal to you that you are indeed being guided. And so if you have a specific issue, you can say, show me a sign if I'm on the right path. And you can also just say, show me, uh, to, to reveal to me that I am being guided, show me a sign. Show me a sign of a butterfly or show me a sign. And the more specific you are, the better, like a blue butterfly. Or show me a pink unicorn or show me a, a lily or show me a, a, a basketball hoop. Or I don't know, just whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind and don't overthink it. And it, it has to be something a little less obvious. Like, you know, you're in, if, if you're in New York City, you're not going to say like a yellow cat, yeah. right? You have to be a little less obvious. But uh, when you ask for that sign, then you have to surrender it and be patient pretty swiftly you'll receive your sign but it's important to note that if you're asking for a sign about a specific situation and you don't get the sign that is a sign too so a lot of people mix that mix that up like i didn't get my sign i have to ask for another one it's like no you didn't get it because that's the answer so really trusting that that the signs will come to you when the guidance is meaning to be revealed to you Yes. And it can be so much fun. I think for anyone listening to this who hasn't tried before, it can just be a really lovely, fun experiment. And it doesn't feel like it's too heavy. Whereas some of the other stuff that we're talking about could feel like you need to walk away and sort of sit and really think about how to apply it to your life. But the sign one is is fun. And it, I absolutely love it. Because so I loved your book, Super Attractor. I, I read it. I, I reread it again recently, just ahead of this interview. And there's so much to take away from the book. And I think looking at it thematically, what we're dealing with is, and what you're saying in the book and now, is when you want to attract something, whether it's an acute thing or not, it is about the energy transference. So you are feeling a certain way to attract more of it. Um, and that is a profound thing in itself because often we think, well, I'm lacking and that's why I need that. You know, like we've talked about depression or if you have OCD, anxiety, any, any other thing going on right now. And it feels impossible to get to that place of I'm going to emit this energy to act more of it. How do you get into that alignment? Well, first things first, <clears throat> you said something that was very educated as it, re- as it relates to the book. So you're obviously a serious super attractor reader, which you recognize and identify that, that we think that when I have that thing, I will be happy. But it's quite the opposite. It's when I am happy and aligned, what I desire will come to me naturally. So the work isn't about getting things or manifesting, but it's really about a book on feeling good. So I would say for the person who's stuck in a depressed state or in a place of uh, any form of mental illness or or any form of... Uh, even if it's not a diagnosis of mental illness, but just a perpetual state of fear or addiction, I would really say that it's about the small changes, the small, subtle shifts that occur in your psyche daily that can really add up to guidance and inner wisdom and support. So for instance, in the book, I say, the secret to feeling good is to decide to stop feeling Mm. bad. Now, someone who's suffering right now will say, F you, Gabby, you know, how dare you say that to me? Because I'm how could I decide to stop feeling bad? Well, here's an example. So a year ago, I was diagnosed with postpartum 
depression and insomnia and anxiety. And I was suicidal at that stage. I'd authored eight self-help books and I was saying on Mother's Day, I want to kill myself. And that's how serious it got for me. But it was my daily prayer and surrender where I would literally get on my knees and say, I need help. I welcome a solution. That was the subtle shift. That was the choice to stop feeling bad. So while I didn't go from feeling like I was suicidal to feeling really healthy and happy overnight, I stayed in the devotional commitment to allowing myself to be guided, to opening up to a consciousness of solutions. And I am a solution-oriented woman, and that is what we have to be if we're going to survive difficult times. Mm. Being in the connection to a prayer practice daily is ultimately what allowed me to fully surrender and welcome intervention and get the psychiatric support that I needed to be healthy and happy and be a, a, a well a well human again. So essentially, it's a willingness for change. It's, it's simply a willingness to say, yes, I accept change. Because often, you know, and we'll all have this, we habitually will experience the same thing again and again, because we habitually react in exactly the same way that we have previously without change. And it, and it is that willingness to say, I'm up for something different, whatever it might be. And that's the first step. I love that. Because I think that's simple and and very very practical yet again um how would you suggest people because you talk about this a lot in your books might work with spirit guides angels um deceased loved ones how do they fit into the equation when it comes to that positive change that we've just talked about or um or manifesting or just simply looking for that encouragement that you're on the right path I, in the book, talk about my belief in faith in angels and archangels and deceased family members and friends and the support system that they provide because in the, in the spiritual form, they are egoless and have the ability and the capacity to intervene when we welcome that intervention and when we need it, not without our free will. The same way our uh, a friend or a family member could support a manifestation, so can a spirit guide. A spirit guide could... Uh, play a song that inspires you to make that phone call that turns out to be the biggest deal of your life or whatever it is. So there's consistent guidance that's around us in the human form and in the spiritual form. And in the book, I talk a lot about how you can develop your own relationship with spiritual guidance, whether it be an archangel or be a family member. I share tremendous amount of stories about all of the synchronicities that I've experienced in my own life. And I do that so that I can be a power of example for the reader to recognize, okay, this is possible. I mean, there's this, this crazy stuff could not just be happening by accident. So, uh, and, and it's fun. And the stories are so, so full of the proof and richness of the, faith that I have had to allow the presence of spirit to be in my life and show me where to go and what to do. And as you've already begun to develop in your own life, that connection, and I can already tell the more present it becomes for you. It's like any friendship. If you don't call your friend, they don't, they don't really uh, pick up the phone that easily. Right. So yeah, that's a great analogy to use. Absolutely. It's like flexing that muscle, isn't it? And, and using it again. Um, I'd love to start to, well, I don't, 
I'm not loving rounding up this conversation at all because I want it to go on forever. But I would love to sort of I feel like fin- I need to get your number and we can be friends. Oh God, we I I am definitely there. I will give you my number, my home address. You can have it all. Um, oh, I really too bad I can't get to England. I would like to do that with her. Well, I know because it's so annoying for me because for this series. You know, normally I am face to face with the people that I interview and it's such a lovely experience sitting with someone that I don't know and having a beautiful chat and it's still lovely, but it's not quite the same on Zoom. We're making it happen, but in the future I want to be sat with people, making eye contact. I, I'm craving it, but I, I really want to talk about gratitude. Now, it's really obvious for us all to be grateful for what we have in life, but one of the most fascinating things that I found from your book Super Attractor was the need to have gratitude towards things that we don't like in our lives, challenges, tough times, people that are tricky. Can you talk to us about the importance around that? Yeah, I think that we, well, there's two things I'd like to say about this. So first is I often say that one of the secrets to surrender is actually to be focused on what's thriving and grateful and appreciative of what's currently thriving in your life. Because if you're, for instance, uh, when I was, I'm manifest, I'm trying to manifest another baby, right. And it's been taking some time and it's had some obstacles along the way and COVID and all these things, but I've never let myself get into a bad place about it at all. Fern, not even slightly, because instead of focusing on the lack of this second baby and the fact that I have had, you know, haven't gotten pregnant and I've been trying different ways, I just focus on the love and the mad love that I have for my son. So the more I focus my energy into the thriving relationship with my son, the closer I get to manifesting my next child or not, or it's not really about time. The, the more I relax the more I surrender, the more I trust that that baby's coming whenever he or she feels safe to be in this world. And look, you know, I can look back now. It's been about five or six months since I've been trying to conceive. I can look back and be like, yeah, that timing would not have been right. Mm. (laughs) You know, so it's really focusing on what is thriving allows you to be in the present of what it presence of what is and be patient with what is coming. So let's talk about it from that standpoint. And then uh, I don't really, I don't say that we should necessarily be grateful for I would say this, we can be grateful for the tough stuff because it reveals to us what we still need to show up yes. for. So yeah. don't have to be shaming of our difficult emotions or our difficult experiences or our addictive patterns, but instead say thank you for guiding me to be so uncomfortable that I have a chance to change. And that perspective actually will be a much faster way to get out of the addiction or a much faster way to start to resolve the the deep wound that that you need to to heal. Because it's when we stay stuck in the shame that we revert back to the pattern because the pattern is really placed there to numb out the shame. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel that one. There's so much to sort of take away from that and think about and apply to a couple of things going on in my life at the moment. And it's, it's deeply helpful, I think, to always you know, give peace a chance by doing those sorts of things. It's a really lovely, lovely way of thinking about it. Um, Gabby, I am so thrilled that we've been able to speak um, for this episode today. It's just going to be a lovely thing for people to listen to. And I'm I'm so grateful. So thank you. And next time face to face, let's hope. Oh, yeah. And I'm super psyched to be your friend. So let's do that. <laughs> 
Oh, what an amazing experience. Thank you so much, Gabby. Oh, my new best mate. Her new book, You Are The Guru, is available now. Right, next week, more happy place, of course. But in the meantime, you should definitely check out the album I have been banging on about. It's out right now and features Larry Pink the Human, Emily Sunday, Sam Fender, Ludovico Einaudi, and more. Thanks again to Gabby, to the producer, Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you lovely lot for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.